advised two popes, has been performing exorcisms for 30 years. Father Malachi Martin. Father? Hello there, Art. How are you? I can hear your voice forever. <laughs> it flows on like mellifluous honey. As does yours. Mm. Uh, Father, um, yes. Can you? would you uh, describe for us what you consider to be the most difficult... Uh, exorcism you have ever uh, ever done. Can you describe it or is that one you can't talk about? No, I can give you the, uh, the bare bones and the bare bones are quite interesting as bones. Uh, this was an exorcism in the northeast corner of America to leave the location actually uh, anonymous for right. the moment uh, because actually in all this matter uh, whenever we talk about it uh, to people outside the circle of exorcists and outside the actual exorcism itself, we are bound by laws of privacy that are very strict. You'd be surprised at how sensitive people are. They don't want the people in the office to know they've been exorcised. Sometimes they don't want their wife to know, or their husband to know, or their family to know. No, I'm not surprised. Uh, because it's uh, between you and me and the Holy Spirit. Exorcism, possession and exorcism, is a dirty, mucky, inhuman, insalubrious, undignified, uh, filthy event. It dirties everybody and soils everybody. And it, it draws blood. <clears throat> and it can cause death. Uh, what it does to the exorcist in the long run, it uh, deprives him of sleep. After a major exorcism, you never sleep deeply for a couple of weeks. Mm. You don't take, uh, you don't participate in a good meal, you know, and enjoy the food. Mm. No, you can't. You just can't. Something is being cut out of you. And I, I must say, I agree with that old exorcist who told me years ago when I was a young man of 27 in Cairo and later on uh, in Rome. Look, young man. A bit of you is going to die every time you do an exorcism. Some portion of you is going to die and go away to God and wait until you die and go to the other side. And it's true. Something does die in you. And uh, there are parallels to that. I mean, any mother or father who really gives to their children and rears them well and invests love and affection and interest yes. in them, oh, yes. you know you give them something you can't get back and you don't want it back. Well then, Father, how have you remo uh, remained so alive through 70 plus years? Well, it must be the grace of God. It must be my destiny. I think God has people he picks out and says, okay, you clean up the muck and you do it and you get the grace to do so. At any rate, you said this one occurred in the Northeast. Yes, in Northeast Corner. And it was a young man and he had gone very far in a coven to which he belonged. Uh, a coven of... Uh, uh, a coven, let's put it like that. I don't want to identify it further because identification is so easily done. Yes. Uh, and um, he had finally come to the point that he was out of control at certain moments and then back in control again. And his, his parents, he wasn't, wasn't married, thank God, at that stage, uh, came to us and said, look, we need, our son needs help. And uh, he went through the usual tests, uh, physical, first of all, and then psychological. And the psychologist came back and said, no, no, the pattern is normal. Uh, there are aberrations there, but uh, they can be corrected with therapy. Um, that's something that we don't understand. And that was the key, is always the key for us. 
to know that we could possibly have a case of possession because you never know until you go into it. So then we set up a, a, a trial beginning and yes, it turned out that the demon was there and um, challenged us and we had to enter the exorcism fully. It took about, um, oh, I'd, I'd say it lasted a year and a half. A year and a half? A year and a half. In relays, we did it. Um, Where is the subject during this year and a half? I mean, oh, he's, well, normally, uh, this particular young man, uh, the, the family was sufficiently well off to let him uh, uh, give up his job. He was a broker. He was in brokerage, and uh, he could they could take the time off. And uh, it it was session after session, and then he would relapse into normalcy and say, "What? What have I been doing to you people?" And we just say, well, this is what's happening. And his mother and father and his brother would explain to him. But the, the terrible thing was that his, the demon possessing him, demons, by the way, are vary. They vary in quality and they vary in function. And by the way, the only, the only way you have identify, of identify, the only way you have of identifying demons is by their function. Their function. Their function. Well, let me, do, let me give you a very simple example. Look, if, if I go into a room where I say math every week, yes. there usually are 10 people there. And if that's very malachy, how do you know there are 10 people there? I'd point to 10 bodies. You know, I count them. But demons have no bodies. So how do you, how do you, how do you determine how many there are there? Precisely. <laughs> well, they, it's by their function. The function is always different. Each one has a particular function. And that function is a distortion of an angelic function because originally they were all angels before they fell in revolt and rebelled against God and were condemned to hell and condemned to be demonic for the rest of their existence in eternity. This particular demon was the demon of the desecration of human love. That was his main function. The desecration of human love. Yes. And um, in his paroxysm of possession, this young man would give violent and uh, uh, heart-rending descriptions of contempt for the human act of love, for the act of a mother's love. For the physical act of love, or, or do you mean the... Both, both. Physical, psychophysical, mental, everything. Just love, human love. But of a mother for the children, of a father for her yes. children, yes. parents, of lovers, uh, uh, love of your country. But it's the desecration of human love. And it, it, it um, the, the, if only some people could realize how contemptuous the demon is of our human love making, whether it's parents and uh, or lovers or, or whatever. Married people. Well, in, in most depictions on the silver screen of uh, contempt for love, they, they as there was in The Exorcist, there, there's just horribly degrading uh, demonstrations of uh, physical disregard for that's right. That's right. the human sexual act or sexuality. That's right. that's right, that's right. That's the kind of thing you see? They endeavored to to demonstrate that on the silver screen is very difficult because it's the you know taking a typical passage from that particular exorcism which I, w I would never forget um, the 
the demon again asserts himself in his right. Uh, you have established his name, the name he wants to be called by, or it wants to be called by. I, we always say he because that's a, a general pronoun in English which means anything. He, she, or it. Yes. Um, and you know the name, and he said, well, then why are you uh, torturing this young man? Why are you twisting his lips and filling his mind? And then there follows a, a, a stream of language which uh, no, uh, nobody would permit to be said on the air Yes. as such. But the idea was that, well, he has become an instrument of real degradation for physical love and for the love of his parents and and the love of his uh, his brothers father how would a psychiatrist uh delineate between uh and i certainly understand what you're saying about what the the yes. symptoms this man had yes. uh between a a true psychological uh the difficulty and something that goes a step beyond that that required that you be called in Yes, and this is where the, the good psychiatrists, uh, uh, whether they're Christian or Jewish or believers or unbelievers, where they, they send patients to us, uh, we get them every week, letters from a psychiatrist in Illinois, in uh, uh, wherever, yes. saying I have such and such a patient, yes. and he or she wants to come and see you because, and then what they always find is this, that there is a normal pattern for various mental afflictions, mental mental troubles that are listed in the diagnostic book published by the American Psychiatric Association. Sure. And But then there are a series of phenomena that don't respond to anything. And when they meet those phenomena, for instance, the person starts speaking suddenly a foreign language. Uh -huh. The person suddenly has the power of levitation. Uh, Have you seen that with your own eyes? Oh, yes, I've seen levitation, and I've heard the foreign language. Some of them I understood, and some of them I didn't understand. Or else they find the, the patient saying to them, Doctor, um, you've been sleeping with another woman, and she's not your wife. They have a, a knowledge which has nothing to do with psychology at all. Um, which generally is true or not? It's always accurate. Always accurate? Always accurate, because, you see, once you commit sin, uh, the theology is that that is known to the devil. Sure. Can be known by the demon. And God can wipe it out. Uh, and only God can. There is a story about that marvelous saint who went to, was assigned to a convent in France in the 1700s because there was a nun there saying she had visions of Jesus. And um, his name was Claude de la Colombière, a Jesuit. And he spoke with this young nun, Margaret Mary. And he said, she said, well, Jesus told me to spread this devotion, a particular type of devotion to him. And he said, well, the next time Jesus comes to see you now, sister, ask him to tell you the last mortal sin I committed. Huh. It was a test. So he went away and he only visited the convent once a month. And when he came back the next month, he heard the confession of all the nuns. And then this sister Margaret Mary came in and she, he heard her confession and absolved her. Then he said to her, did you, Jesus, come? She said, yes. He said, did you ask him the question, what was my last mortal sin, to prove to me that it was him and you're not being deceived by the devil? Yes. She said, yes, I did ask him, but he said he has forgotten it because he has forgiven the sin and he always forgives, he always forgets what he forgives. 
How did he uh, accept that answer? He said, that's it. That's genuine. Only Jesus could do that. Uh, had she come back and uh, correctly named the last mortal sin, uh, then... And he had confessed that sin, which he had, then she knew it was the devil. He would have known it was the devil. So you spent... Uh, alone, uh, Father, a year and a half, or was no? No, we had two others working with us. Two others. There were we three of to. you. We had to. We couldn't do it because we knew it was a long-term thing. This was an ingrained uh, uh, possession, and the demon was of a very exalted kind. We suspected who he, who it was or what it was, but we could never establish it completely. But it was a very uh, higher up, really. Uh, it was a, a demon of great power and resistance, resistance. And yes. you determined that very quickly, I suppose. Oh, yes, very quickly after the third or fourth session. You knew that you were up against one of the boys, one of the real background boys. <laughs> and uh, you know it. And besides that, then, after this peculiar thing that happens to you. Look, you and I are talking at the present moment now. We've, I've never seen your face except on television, I thought once. But we've been talking, all right? And we've been communicating. And my voice strikes your ear and your voice strikes my ear. Yes. And the sounds that we in and they convey the concepts to me. And we, we talk, we exchange, okay. Verbally, we're exchanging. Sure. But at the same time, you and I, being adults, we know that once we really converse, and you and I have conversed and are conversing, there's, a, a, there's an upper-level conversation between us Brain to brain, soul to soul. Yes. We're communicating something beyond words, of which words are the vehicle. And you know that there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's an upper level conversation going on. Of course. And when you when you do converse with somebody like that, then you are really talking. You're dialoguing. You're really communicating. And words are what they're meant to be, mere physical vehicles of your thought. So it's, about, it's very, very quickly then what you're up against. And I suppose it must be very sobering, even for somebody who has done what you have done, to realize you are up against something very strong, very serious. And very evil. I mean, even the sense that it wants you dead. You have this, you see, I don't know if you've ever had to deal with people who hated you in the world, the normal world. And uh, who really disliked you. Un unfortunately, uh, nearly on a daily basis. <laughs> All right. Well, and so have I in the last 76 years. And you finally got to get away and talk to your friends and clean your mind out and get back peace and quiet. Because they've invaded you. You see, anybody you talk to, anybody you talk to or touch in this life, they modify you morally. Yes. What does that mean? It means they have some influence on your will and your mind. And uh, people often say, give me a drink, I want to get rid of all this garbage collected from talking to that man or that woman, you know. Uh, so it's a common human experience that we, we modify each other by our language. That's why you say to, about such people, no, I don't want to meet him, I don't want to meet her. You know, it's, uh, I don't know why, I just don't like him. During the course of an exorcism of the kind you talked about, yes. uh, is, it, is it directly encountering this evil... Uh, demon, or is it half that and half psychology and half sort of a, a, a brainwashing of the the victim of this no. evil entity, or how do you approach it? The essence is this. You are the possessing demon. I make you give me your name. I am now going to command you to get out. 
And the tussle, the, the squabble, the fight, the struggle is precisely in getting it to relinquish its hold and to go. That's the, it's confrontation. I often hear about people doing exorcism in a sense that they, they say healing prayers over somebody and they pray a whole group of people with hands joined around somebody who is behaving in a way that suggests demonic uh, obsession or possession. That's fine. I have nothing against prayer. Uh, healing prayer, healing prayers are a great idea. But an exorcism is a confrontation. It's a confrontation between the exorcist and the possessing demon. And this confrontation went on for a year and a half. That's right. That's right, because the demon would disappear. We, we, we called him ah. uh, Mr. Lash. Because so, in other words, you could only confront him when, you could, when he was apparent, when he was there. That's right. But then, you see, habits, habits form. And uh, it gradually became apparent to us that at certain times of the day and certain times of the week, the demon was much more communicative. Uh-huh. It, it was a funny thing. And the, we had one psychologist with us right through all that. And he's still practicing psychiatry. Uh, but um, he has modified his entire process. He no longer, he, he works pro bono now completely because oh. he went through such a searing experience with the whole thing. But he was right through it all. And he, he, he performed the post-operative as for therapy to the person because once they come out of that, and once they, they don't know what happened. Usually they don't know what happened. It's just sort of like um, the last year and a half was a big blank. It's a big blank, and then they begin to get memories and images, and the psychologist has to deal with those. All right, I would be interested when we come back. Relax for a moment, uh, Father. I'm back now to Father Malachi Martin. Father, um, Hello. how do you know, Father, when you have arrived at that moment, when you have him, when you have found the weakness in this evil, and you can uh, uh, you can cause it to leave. How do you know when that moment arrives? That is a question I want to answer, and um, it's something along the following lines. Okay, the confrontation has gone badly for the demon, and uh, it has had to yield its name, and when it started to possess this particular person and what were its intent and what has it achieved and finally there comes the point where you insist commandingly that it depart and it depart in the name of Jesus Christ its will has been broken yes its power properly has been broken because the will the will stays firmly anti-God and full of hate and uh, full of filth recent filth um, filth is disgusting um, but it's there, 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 there you take away their power there comes a moment when you almost hear and sometimes you do hear or it would be described in human language as a yowl of pain. Uh, 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 a real groan, but it's, it sometimes has a physical analog coming from the mouth of the, of the possessed person. An agony. Yes, there's something departing as it were to die. 
of course it doesn't die, it merely departs and has lost its foothold. And here there's a funny thing which we should go into later on, but it's a, a, a fine poor refinement of the whole question. It's this, what happens then when you expel them? And why don't they want to leave? And why did they come in the first place? Yeah, oh yes. Uh... That, that, that's a, but let's get back to answer your question directly. It's the transformation in the possessed person that takes place. Sometimes, uh, suddenly, not sometimes, suddenly at that moment, when, and it, by the way, you never know. You've got to keep at it until you reach the point. Suddenly, it's as it were a giant, invisible, torturing claw lets go of them. They suddenly relax. So it is like this giant battle it's looking for your weaknesses, you're looking for its weaknesses. That's right, that's right. Any, any weakness you have, they'll exploit it. And you're probing each other. Yes, probing and tempting each other and threatening each other. Uh, you by commands, it by suggestions. And uh, it takes, I remember listening to a young exorcist tackle a demon once and interrupting him and pushing him aside because he was beginning to answer questions put to him by the demon. Huh? And that's fatal. That's the beginning of control. Yes, because then, then he has your mind. Then he can attract you. And uh, you haven't got an angelic mind. That's all about it. You've got a human mind with all its limitations. But the possessed person, there's the sudden relaxation. And the face, it's the face, really. Changes. Whether the eyes are open or shut, it's this sudden look of total peace. Total relaxation, total, uh, it's like sleep, but it isn't. And then you know, and when they open their eyes, if their eyes have been closed, they ask where they are. And they have this extraordinary uh, peace, extraordinary joy, extraordinary happiness. And it's lumen, luminous in their eyes. And they want to eat something, they want to drink something. And the symptoms, they're all gone. They're all gone. Complete demon has departed. And the, the, the psychologists we've had present register everything, heartbeat and pulse and everything else. And they say there's a dramatic change in all those things uh, that takes place at that moment of resolution. But it's chiefly what always struck them was this sudden transformation of the person from being an ugly, distorted, misshapen face and tortured and uh, with filthy language and sometimes filthy smells and filthy uh, cold atmosphere or stinky hot atmosphere, all suddenly over. It's like as if the storm was over and the sun was rising and uh, in an upland scene and uh, God is in heaven and all is right with the world, to use the words of Robert Browning. All right, Father, let us move then to the why. I'm sure that any person so possessed at some point would ask you or the exorcist why me well why me is one question why ever anybody at all is something else and why what does the demon get out of it and why do they want to leave once they're there um first of all why me we tried art we did our best over a period of years and with all the data at our disposal we had a very good database as we say nowadays in our computer language to create a profile of the possessible person. Oh. I mean, yeah, we said about uh, recording age, um, education, economic condition, father and mother, siblings, 
location, where were they born, where they go to school, kindergarten, what are their history, and usually you get all their history from their parents or their friends or their wife or their husband or whatever, you assemble all that, and you try and create a profile, their language, what languages do they know, and uh, where have they traveled, and what right. were their companions, what habits have they got, or have they dabbled in the occult, or, uh, what, you uh, assemble all that, and you know what we found? What? Over, for, with about, oh, I gave 700 cases where we profiled them, there is no rule. There it's is no rule. It's completely random. I must confess to you, Art, I know very naughty people. I know murderers, and they've stopped their murdering, most of them. And I know mafia people, and I know, I know prostitutes, and I know men who are profligate in their sexuality, uh, and I know men who are um, who, 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 who have sliced up other men in their onward conquest of a particular type of business. Yes. But they're just naughty. They're not possessed. <laughs> they're just sinful. And that's not possession. Possession, so, is, possession is something else. It's, it's a peculiar inhabitation of your being by the power of the demon. So there's no, there's no, you can't say about someone so well, he's going to be possessed. So there is no profile. No profile at all. The no richer, profile. the richer person. Uh, no, 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 rich or poor, it doesn't matter. In fact, <laughs> between you and me and, and the Holy Spirit, as we say, uh, most of the big, big exorcisms we've done are very well off, well healed people, well educated people. But that begins to suggest there is a profile. Or, or does it mean that the poor cannot afford? No, no. <laughs> but, but, no. but then we have a whole, a whole galaxy of ordinary uh, people working. Clerical workers, blue-collar workers, factory workers, road workers, construction workers, of all types, faiths, and descriptions. Uh, no, there's no profile. We tried it. We tried every possible balancer. And we had a, a statistician working with us. And she was great. She knew exactly what to do with statistics and database. Uh, facts. The, the sensitive thing, why me is, it's your particular fault. Because, by the way, nobody is ever possessed or obsessed unless they say yes. You have well, say yes. that's what I was, that was where I was going to go next. Um, no, no, is, is this most times invited or does it ever occur without invitation? It always occurs through invitation. Now, by the way, Art, there, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And there's more than one way to say yes. Well, let me tell you, give you sort of variations on that. For instance, I, at the age of 28, working very hard teaching uh, little boys Greek and, and French, I had to stay awake at night work. I had to stay up at night working and get up early in the morning to prepare my lectures and prepare the papers and correct the exams, etc. And I, I needed to smoke, so I took up smoking. And I said, no, it'll keep me awake. I became addicted. And did I say yes? Not formally, but yes, I did actually. You were a smoker. I was a smoker and I was addicted and I said yes to it. It's like I had a marriage case a few years ago where they were breaking up and they were engaged and they were supposed to get married and they came to me because they, they were breaking up and I knew them, I knew both their families and um, the confrontation went something like this. Uh, he said, well, um, uh, I, I didn't ask to fall in love with you. Uh, and uh, 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 she said, no, John, I'm sorry, you did. You did everything. You carried me on my first date. 
and you kissed me on the cheek, and you held my hand, and then you went to bed with me. You did everything to fall in love with me. Huh. He said, you said yes to me. And now you want to renege on that yes. Um, and she needs compensation. I don't know what you want. I forget the details of it. Or I prefer not to recount them in public. But the point is that saying yes is a very, very uh, easy thing to do. To drink, to cocaine, sure. to, to, to illicit love, to illicit love. Uh, uh, we say yes in various ways. You haven't got to say Y-E-S, you know? It's very easy. So, same way, I find, for instance, that if I get a user on a Ouija board, I get answers. And I follow those answers and I profit by it. It helps me. Or I find that if I have a, a seance with certain people in a coven, and they don't call those a coven, but they're very nice people, and, but they do consult the spirits. And I find I get consolation from it and encouragement and... And I slowly enter into a compact. I never say I will make a pact with you, but de facto I do. I come to depend on it. I'm saying yes all the time. Father, uh, may I ask you about this? Um, if you were not a Catholic priest, yes. uh, but instead were a Native American, mm -hmm. would you be a medicine man? And if so, what a medicine man is from time to time called to drive out spirits. Yes, they are. What are they doing, Father? Are they doing the same work? Is it the same channel? Is it... I'll tell you, Art, what I think. It's not that you've asked a personal opinion of a very difficult subject, but my experience is the following. And I'm not merely talking about Native Americans. I'm talking about Baptist clergymen I know. Sure. Uh, Anglican clergymen, Episcopal clergymen, Greek Orthodox clergymen, Russian Orthodox clergymen, and um, some Methodists. I'm talking now from experience of people, but mainly evangelicals. Um, I have seen such miracles of cure and restitution yes. and uh, depossession worked by these people, including Native Americans. Yes. Really shamans, you know, the old type. Yes. That because of my beliefs, I must believe, I must conclude that my Lord Jesus Christ, you know I believe, and who is, for me, the source of all power, has used them in their innocence and their faith to cure people outside the reach of a Catholic priest like me. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? In perfectly. Words, yes, perfectly. Yeah, I, I'm firmly, but I, I cannot deny that. I, In other words, I, you've got to make it fit. That's right. I've got to make it fit. I, I know a Baptist minister. He's an old man now. But, I mean, he has done Trojan work in this matter. And I cannot imagine that any demon would obey him unless Jesus gave this man the power. And that was the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ that has helped him do that. And these are people who have nothing to do with Catholicism or with some of them Christianity. Uh, but they, it has worked. But I have that, that that's experience and I can't deny it. And actually, there's an old principle in Catholic theology which says, Deus non alligato sacramentis in Latin, uh, which means that God is not bound by sacraments as such when he wants to be free of them. Normally, he does use them. 
Uh, he does use his priests, but he can use his powers wherever he wants to. And I've seen that power used for good. And I must conclude that it is the grace of my Lord Jesus. So there may be many channels to the same source. Of course there are. Uh, but once you get, once you come in contact with the source, Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and his life, and his church, then you have the obligation in conscience yes. to search and ask. Because, you know, it's like the rich young man in the Gospels that uh, he came to Jesus and said, Look, I've observed the commandments all my life. Uh, as Jewish commandments, the Torah, and the 613 precepts. What else need I do? And Jesus looked at him and loved him, the Gospel says, and said, Okay, sell what you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the young man went away sad because he had many possessions. And it's a mirror of what does happen with a lot of people. They see what they should do, but they can't give up that particular thing they love. Uh, they can't renounce what is bad in their lives, uh, what is repellent, and therefore they can't accept his grace. Father, we talked about something last time that has left a chill down my spine. Namely? Maybe for personal reasons. I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you have said there are... Perhaps millions of people walking around who have, in effect, made a deal with the devil. Yes, that's right. There they are. have said, uh, give me, I don't know, success or whatever. love or whatever. And uh, they've, they've made this pact. And now, mm. I think you're right. I think there are millions of people walking around like that. These are people not possessed, as we have discussed, uh, with a no. traditional possession. No. But they've made... They've made a deal and they know it, don't they? Sure, they know it. Then you see, Art, there's this terrible thing about it. That if you make the deal and live up to it, here's the, the thing that gives the chill to my spine, and probably it's what you're talking about in your case. If you are totally faithful, put it like that, to your agreement, if you're totally faithful to it, you will be helped by the demon to a certain degree or a great degree. Mm -hmm. He will foment you. It will foment you. It will help you. It will enlighten you. You will get light. You will get solutions. And you Now, your end may be memorable. Well, and Father, there's a lot of people out there right now who are probably quaking as they listen to this. If you are totally faithful, put it like that, to your agreement, if you're totally faithful to it, you will be helped by the demon to a certain degree or a great degree. Mm -hmm. He will foment you. It will foment you. It will help you. It will enlighten you. You will get light. You will get solutions. And you will Now, your end may be memorable. Oh, and Father, there's a lot of people out there right now who are probably quaking as they listen to this because they're doing well one way or the other. And I'm